Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode number 114 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Firstly, as ever, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Without that support, this podcast definitely would not be able to happen. If you're a regular podcast listener, you'll know that most podcasts have adverts at the start, the middle and at the end of each episode. The Ministry of Arts doesn't do that, and that was our choice. We decided from the offset to forego that monetary bonus in exchange for a better listening experience. The downside to that, of course, is that it's had to have been self-funded for two and a half years. And although this content is free for everyone, if you enjoy what you hear and you want to keep it going, you can follow the Patreon link in the Ministry of Arts Instagram bio or go to www.patreon forward slash Ministry of Arts. It starts from as little as £3 a month and 100% of it goes back into the podcast. But anyway, back to this week's episode, number 114, and it is, of course, Fiona Grady. I first become aware of Fiona's work when she appeared on the Art Proof podcast, which we talk about for the first few minutes of this episode. If you don't know of the Art Proof podcast, it has three hosts, Eric Thorpe, Nicholas Stavari, and Rowan Newton, and their current episode is with Delphine Diallo. Go over and have a listen. But after this one, mind you. But anyhow... Fiona Grady. Those guys wanted to speak to her for the same reasons that I want to speak to her. Her work's pretty amazing. She creates sight-responsive drawings on walls, windows and floors using a sequence of dispersing geometric shapes. The artworks are a spiral system composed from repeating intervals that expand in proportion and direction. The use of repetition 
is a means to set in place an unconscious balance or understanding that can be interrupted by the introduction of a changeable factor. This challenges the viewer's reading of the drawing, asking them to consider its internal logic. Fiona's work is currently on view as part of the 2021 Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, which you'll be hearing more about over the next couple of months. Oh, and I should say thanks to Lisa Baker Limited for connecting me up with Fiona. So, that said, please come and join me over Zoom as I spoke to Fiona Grady. Yeah, it was one of the first ones. Yes, that Excellent. was really cool. And I heard um, when you did your sort of Christmas episode with them and Delphian. Yeah, it was the, good the... fun. That was a great episode with, with all four, mm. all four podcasts and having three people opposite you. Did you find that intimidating? I mean, I, I felt quite relaxed because um, Nick Stavry, we'd known each other for quite a few years and he'd actually, we met because he curated a project at a gallery and invited me to take part. So, it but, but, across, I figured you just knew each other because yeah. it, felt, it felt like that, you know. Yeah, but what I liked about the ethos of their podcast was this thing of being, they, sort of, they, they said they wanted it to feel like we were sat in the pub having a chat. Exactly. So automatically, even though you're sort of in a slightly formal setting doing the conversation, it was kind of, it was fun, you know, it was yeah. quite relaxed. The thing is, like when you're talking to three other people, then it's always like hard to get a word in edgeways, isn't yeah, it? It's like, <laughs> who are we interviewing? Listen, it's just as hard with me. I'd rabbit it like this anyway. Yeah, see, I, that, that's the ones I like. I, I like it being a bit more laid back. I do have seven questions okay. that I ask each artist. Mm. Um, and the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? All right, sure. So I, I always start by saying I'm a site responsive artist. Yeah. And by that, what I mean is that I am normally invited to go to a space. It could be, I've done things in train stations. Often it's kind of public spaces. Um, I tend to work on windows as well, which is quite sort of crucial to my practice. So um, with that, I get given a window. I kind of design an artwork that will fit into the window. And it's a bit sort of like stained glass where I'll apply coloured vinyl, which I cut into shapes. And then through the interaction with daylight, it then casts these beautiful coloured shadows into the space, which kind of elevate the rooms. And I try to pinpoint architectural details or characters nice. of the, the, the venue as well, so yeah. that then it kind of allows people who are there to kind of look around them a bit more, consider yeah. their surroundings yeah. and kind of really elevate the importance of the situation for the artwork too. Well, I know you, you know, as you've said there, you work on windows. Mm. It's geometric designs anyway. Yeah. But does it matter which side you view it from? I really like the fact that it can be viewed from either side. Yeah. And I like the idea that potentially it kind of draws you into a yeah. building as well. But um, it's not funny because we're obviously where you, the building is situated will depend on how the light travels through it. So it, it, ideally you have kind of south facing windows so it captures yeah, lots yeah. of the light, but sometimes I've done things on um, windows in the ceiling, which has been great because then it casts shadows oh, down yes. the walls. 
Yeah, so I did one at Chapter Gallery in Cardiff um, in the art in the bar space, which is kind of like a big kind of open cafe bar area. And I made the work on the, the windows in the ceiling. But it was sort of funny because when I did it, it was overcast the whole time I did it, which in some ways was quite nice because I didn't have like direct sunlight yeah, the whole yeah. time. But um, the, what, at one point I'd gone out because it's part of um, Experimentica Art Festival. So I'd gone out yeah. to see some performance art. And then I got a message from someone saying, oh, the sun's come out like quick get back to the <laughs> get back to the gallery so yeah it's on and so I did sort of see some glimmers of it but then they you know very kindly organized a photographer to take some proper photos so I've got these amazing installation shots of it but I never got to see the space kind of cast such dramatic yeah. shadows as nice. through those photos so if it's a group show underneath or inside you do sort of envelop other people's work as well don't you you know uh, yeah it's whether kind of they question. like it or not <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's kind of a question of politeness isn't it because yeah. if you're a sound artist then you always have to kind of you know discuss how other yeah, people feel yeah. about sound in the space whereas with mine it's kind of like if I, I will fill the space that I'm given. So my work can be really big sometimes. And I'm always kind of conscious of wanting to not have other people feel that, you know, because if it's casting colored shadows then it can affect the paintings. And yeah. some people's their work's very minimalist and sensitive. So it's kind of- And it's sort of out of your control to some extent yeah, as well, isn't it, you know? And exactly. I suppose of a night, if there's lights inside the gallery, then, mm that flips around and your work then gets projected outside to some extent, doesn't it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I did a solo exhibition um, at Brighton at the CCA, which is the University Gallery. And for that one, um, we had amazing direct sunlight throughout the day. It cast these huge shadows on the walls and the floors, but at nighttime they lit it in the evening. So then people driving past would see it too. So that's kind of the ideal situation that it has a sort of 24-hour lifespan. Superb. And yeah. So how did you start by putting um, vinyls onto onto a window or onto, at least onto glass? Well, um, it's sort of, it was a gradual process. So when I did my MA at Wimbledon in the last couple of months, I started making work, which was big wall drawings. And uh, one of my tutors, Edwina, suggested that I do a wall drawing in a corridor where it had these windows that cast shadows. So I had these kind of interesting like square shapes and this mural. And then there was like these panes of light. And I took loads of photographs of that. And I was really excited by the image that it created. And then a couple of years later, I got invited to do an exhibition at the Bowery in Leeds, which is a small art gallery in Headingley, where it's yeah. kind of like a cafe gallery education space. And they asked if I wanted to do some, some vinyl on the windows. And I'd never worked with vinyl before, so it was quite cool to just try this new material. <laughs> yeah, and new medium, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I used opaque vinyl, so it didn't actually cast coloured shadows. But it was kind of interesting because the idea was that they wanted to draw attention to the fact that there was the cafe downstairs, but upstairs was the education space and gallery. Yeah. So I had these like very graphic, like bright yellow and blue lines on the windows where, you know, like when you went past on the bus, you'd see it, you could see it, you know, across yeah, yeah. the street if you're driving past. So it kind of just was really an interesting process. And then another friend saw it and said, oh, did you know you can get transparent vinyl? So it kind of just really went from there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it sort of started just, I mean, it's often the way with that. I mean, maybe you find the same thing that people just kind of approach you with an idea and I'm always game for trying something new. Yeah, so. like, Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's exactly. an obvious path that you hadn't seen. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you, you take the credit for it, but it's, you know, it's, it's more of a collaborative thing than you think, isn't it? <laughs> so at the moment, I know that you do um 
wall art more nylon or sort of mural type mm. wall art you do work on paper um prints and mm. the, the window work yeah um they all blend themselves absolutely perfectly together but they they've all got a very different feel haven't they yeah I'd agree with that I mean it's sort of for me it's the idea that leads rather than the medium yeah. so my I think where you know my I'm excited about my practices I feel like I have quite a strong footprint so you know people kind of know what my work looks like so I'd hope that if I did a print that you'd still be able to see the colour palette and the, yeah. the forms and then sort of imagine that as a wall drawing or a window piece and actually I don't I'm not really someone who just sort of sits in the studio and paints and draws all day long I need like briefs to make art but the way that I draw is I do screen printing so mm. I'll kind of like just book a session I go to a print studio and Peckham called Sun Solars and that that's kind of nice because it's open access you can kind of just book a session and just yeah. come and print for a bit so with that I kind of like use it as a way to sort of draw and test out ideas so I'll be like oh I've got a session in two weeks time I better like make some triangle stencil <laughs> or something and then I just kind of like mix up whatever colors yeah. and just go for it really but I quite like that printmaking is a way to think through ideas so often when you see the window installations if someone's kind of like given me asked me to design something I'll look back through the prints and see what I've done already nice. and then kind of go from there really so um it, you know they all kind of feed into each other and influence each other yeah they have got they've got a slight different language but they mm. yeah they all they all work well together it's like yeah. when I see um Camille Walala she may yeah. do a, a large hotel in the Bahamas mm. um but then she'll do a, a small print related to it on on paper and it, it still works in its own right yeah definitely I mean it's funny kind of like this thing of scale because you know like with graphic images where it's kind of like a particular shapes and colors the language is very simple and you can kind of just expand it onto different scales and it still kind of has the same you know kind of impact yeah it's um yeah it's, it's often interesting one to think through isn't it because when I design my works I do them on my computer so they're kind of a4 size and then you're imagining them on these spaces where sometimes the window's like 20 meters yeah. wide or something <laughs> so you kind of it's a little bit of instinct and knowledge but I'm sure maybe with Camille as well that it's again this thing of having a language that you already have in your work and then just using your experience and every time you make something it gives you ideas for what you might want to do next as well yeah. and I suppose you've got to adjust your mindset slightly each time whether it's a print or a wall or, or, or the large windows as well haven't you yeah exactly I mean like when I do I do some collaborations sometimes with Haru which is um organized by Nishira East and it's um a washi tape and it's really nice because it's a bit like a combination of the printmaking and the vinyl work that it's this tape that's like a particular size and then you cut it into pieces but with the the tape it has um it's a little bit transparent so you can still layer the colors up but then the quality of the tape kind of takes hold of how, how and where the design goes nice. yeah and with the with the vinyl, I've I've recently put some vinyl on some windows at home. Oh, nice! Totally different to what you've done. This was just for for decoration. Mm. But I put some in when it was hot, and I put others in when it was cold. And the ones that when it was hot, they've they've not worked out. Does the heat affect you when you're working on the windows? 
it can be a bit of a problem. I mean, once you've stuck it down, it should stay. But I've I've had a couple of installations where I've done it and I've had intense direct sunlight and the, the vinyl does tend to stretch a little yeah. bit. So it just starts moving around and you're just sort of thinking, oh, please stick, please shrink. And normally once it's cooled down and then it's settled, it's fine. But um, I have, you know, I've been doing it for a few years now. So you kind of get used to yeah. what's going to happen. But yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a it's touch and go sometimes. Have you always had an interest in art? Yeah, I have. I mean, it's a it's a funny one because um, my you know I was talking to my parents about it a while ago, and my my dad or my mum had said you know like whenever I was came home from nursery, I'd always come home with piles of drawings. I remember just you know doing poster paint, you know like how it would like dry and then crack (laughs) off the paper. (laughs) But um, and then when my sister, who's a couple of years younger than me, went to nursery she didn't come home with drawings and my parents were like this is really weird like why is Fiona there all the time like painting and then you know like Charlotte's just not done it at all yeah. so I think maybe that was the first time my parents realized I was interested and then because they knew that I was keen on it they would you know make a point of taking us to art galleries so you know remember oh, nice. like going to Manchester Art Gallery and seeing like the pre-Raphaelite Excellent. paintings and yeah it's just sort of it's always been something that I've loved and you know again like I remember having conversations about whether I could be an artist when I was little and it's sort of like it sounds like you know some of these things people say but uh, yeah it's just it's always been the way oh nice yeah so you enjoyed going around the galleries did your sister feel like she was getting dragged around the galleries or did she like it as well I think she liked I mean she's kind of like quite open-minded so I still I still drag around galleries now and you know in the past I've roped her into being my assistant but you know we can have good conversations about art, which yeah. is all you really want, isn't it? Do you know at what point um, you decided you wanted to be an artist? Well, I remember having a conversation with my dad and him sort of saying, oh, um, you know, Van Gogh died poor and, um, you know, like art isn't really a career. But at the same time, my dad's a historian, so he's one to talk, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, um, I think... When I went to, like in enough school, I'd always spend more time on my artwork and my homework would always, I'd spend twice as much, you know, doing the art than anything else. Yeah. So it's never really been something that's been a question. It's more just believing that I could do it, if you know what I mean, so. Well, I've had, well, I've interviewed so many artists, you are far from the first to say that their parents sort of questioned whether it was a wise decision, but yeah, um, yeah everyone's gone through and, and yeah. succeeded in what they've wanted to do Um, yeah exactly I mean I I wouldn't say that they ever told me not to do it as well it's just more you know kind of your parents just want you to be be secure so as possible yeah which piece that you've created um has got the strongest emotional connection do you think um it's it's funny because I sort of like although I use color a lot and it is emotive I kind of I'm, I'm more interested in the idea of like logic and order within it yeah. so it's a funny one because it's like I don't think of it as emotional but that's maybe because I'm not um I I'm always looking for ways of kind of filling and creating things so it's sort of like um I kind of think of it as more like as I'm making like a filling out a puzzle or something like yeah, that yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like I'm solving a problem and putting things together but then that's kind of my process but then I hope that when people go and see the work then it kind of creates different feelings for them so it's more about kind of like reflection maybe but I suppose that is a emotion too yeah. isn't it kind of com- contemplating yeah, yeah. your surroundings 
but I did a project at Watts Gallery, um, which is near Guildford, and there I was making work in a, it's kind of like a really nice space because um, it was kind of within the landscape, so I used quite a lot of mirrored vinyl, and that was oh, reflecting nice. the, the trees around, and I kind of thought that was an interesting way of bringing the nature into the yeah. work, rather than it normally being in a city or kind of urban environment. Because sometimes those, those mirrored ones, a friend of mine's got got some of those yeah it's, it's mirrored from one side but not the other so if if that's the same with the colored vinyls then that's di that's a, a different experience that the viewer's having either side of the window isn't it well so the vinyl that i use is mirrored actually on both sides it's just okay. that one is like a little bit shinier but the only thing is because it's um it is kind of like a block of um vinyl that it has kind of tiny little holes in so it is slightly porous and you can see through it a bit yes but it is kind of different. And that one is probably like the only time when my work genuinely has a front and back. Oh, but I God. find because I layer it up with the transparent vinyl that it still kind of has that sense of um, it being quite an interactive work as well. You still see the colors in relation to each other. Excellent. I know you was part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. Could you just tell us what you've done for uh, the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week? Yeah, definitely. So I've done two projects with them now. So I was invited to take part in the first one this well, it was last summer in 2020. Yeah. So I was invited by Caroline Bosley, who's a curator, and yeah. she set up an installation for me on the King's Road. So it was a piece that was in an empty shop unit with just large vinyl um, nice. shapes kind of for, forming crosses. And then from that, I was invited to a second project with them, which is um, called, it was like Chelsea Windows, basically. And the idea is that it's in empty shop units on various high streets around Excellent. West London. Yeah, so for this one, I've created a piece called Art Deco Paradise, which is on High Street Kensington, um, just next to Robert Dias. And that one um, I installed just at the end of the lockdown in November. And it's kind of been up for a couple of months now, but hopefully it'll be a bit longer. So when the instruction to stay local um, is, you know, is in, in action, then hopefully more people will be able to go and see it. Oh, it's pretty cool, though, isn't it? To have just to have your work just on show on the whole of a shop front is, is, is quite a thing, isn't it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of like it because when I was at one point, you know, doing more in the way of painting and things like that, and could never decide what size canvas I wanted to work on. So actually just having a window where it's like, this is the size of the canvas, make something fit it, is a lot easier for me to deal with. Um, Do you find so it gets overlooked somewhat? Because it, people might just walk past it thinking that it's just part of the shop um, frontage. Yeah, I mean, I quite like the this sort of like this kind of um, push and pull between kind of high street advertising on windows and then what constitutes an artwork because a lot of the stuff you see kind of like on billboards and kind of hoardings and things like that they're still made by you know creatives of and designers course. so they're, they're really quite interesting but I kind of like the idea that maybe my art is a kind of a reward for people who actually you know observe as well and yeah that's what I was just about to say people have that sense of discovery don't they yeah when I've done it myself you know I've walked past a shop that is showing artwork and mm. not even realized and I've looked and I've gone oh and it is a nice little surprise for the viewer yeah definitely and it's, it's you know these things kind of like they fit into the fabric but the point is it's more about improving the environment so even if people walk past and they don't think 
yes that's an artwork yeah. it's better than them walking past something that's you know like this vacant unit that's got I mean because before it had kind of like you know massive like four leasing sign on it and it just was quite sad looking and I think yeah. particularly with you know high street Kensington that it's it, when I went there during the lockdown it was quite weird because you know everywhere was closed and there's lots of empty units and even like the, you know the cafes that had to like remove all the seats and things so you could literally walk in and get a coffee and go yeah, nice. so it's nice to do something that really kind of like is improving the quality of the environment around there. When day leads it takes on a new language itself doesn't it do you ever install lighting on the inside to project it out so it's like a 24-hour artwork we did that for the one on King's Road. So we had um, we turned all the lights on in the unit and that was actually really effective because what I did is I put um, frosted vinyl on the inside of the windows to then create this kind of like white palette. So during the day, it was a bit more subtle in terms oh, of nice. reflecting the light. And then yeah, at nighttime with the frosted vinyl, it really kind of like these white kind of blocks appeared behind wow. the vinyl and it really elevated, it looked amazing. So I'd like to do more of that. I definitely like to collaborate with lighting design designers at some point if possible too brilliant well can i just touch on the itv creates yeah of course how did you find that experience because that's, that's a, a medium that most artists really sort of work with is it having, having it shown primetime tv to people who very possibly have very little or no interest in art yeah that was a really nice one to do because for all the people you know who who know me but aren't necessarily in the arts would you know it's for them it was the real kind of like signposting that yeah. you know like I'd, I'd made it you know it's sort of funny because I've had other things in my career that I've been really proud of that happened prior to that but that's probably the first one where people you know contacted me and say no we just saw you on tv and mm -hmm. I think you know for my family as well it's a really nice thing my yeah. mum and dad both like recorded it and sent me like videos <laughs> and things like that but it was, it was really funny but I mean what was really great about it was I worked with a film crew so they actually took the time to understand my work and play around with different lighting and the piece I did was quite subtle in the sense that I had a, a glass panel which they then built a false wall to give it a, yeah. a sort of a window to fit within but I used frosted vinyl for the ITV logo so when you looked at the window at certain angles you couldn't see the frosted vinyl yeah. but then when you shone a light behind it it then cast the vinyl onto the floor but where the frosted vinyl was that the light wouldn't pass through it yeah, so it left yeah. a shadow and it was quite tricky to film it because of the distance between the window and then the floor and getting yeah, the right yeah. intensity but I was just like afterwards I said to Kevin who's the director I was like oh you know I need you to come and film every artwork <laughs> I do because it just <laughs> looks so amazing yeah exactly did you get response from the public I mean, I did a bit. It's funny because there was um, someone has a YouTube channel where they dedicated to recording all of them and putting yeah. them on YouTube. So that was really nice. And then um, I mean, there was someone who reviewed every ident and said which ones they preferred. So um, I don't know if mine was one of their favourites or not, but it's sort of a, a, a funny thing to sort of like be critiqued in that way. Um, but yeah, I had some nice feedback, but it was mainly, you know, people who knew me because although they sort of put Put your name on it yeah. i think it's another thing where it's sort of like it slides into your subconscious and the com tv companies are pretty good about doing interesting ident's all through the yeah, years definitely. so yeah i mean um, i just wondered whether like social media followers bumped up a little bit or there was any other interest from from any other areas because i know i've known a couple of artists who have 
been, I know it's a little bit different, but I know they've been like a feature in a documentary or even a little something on the news. Mm. And they've had a spike of interest in their social media because it is quite subtle, the ITV creates. Although millions of people see it, it's a bit more subtle than like a, a three minute news link or a, a 15 minute documentary, isn't it? Yes, it's hard to know with these things because a lot of it's so kind of organic and all of these things are sort of signposting to people that you're serious and, you know, it's a great one to have on the CV. I find whenever I do something, it leads to something else. And when I get invited to new opportunities, I always say to people like, oh, how did you come across my work? But I haven't had someone directly say it was because of that, but I'm sure that it has influenced these things. And anytime you have exciting content for social media, it does tend to give it a little bit of a bump. But as well, I think, you know, kind of like actually filming and you making the work and talking about it is a lot of an easier way to sort of unpack it. So again, when I did my most recent commission for Nishura East, they made a film about me using the Haru tape and we kind of put it on Instagram recently. And I've got, you know, quite a big um, group of people who watched it. And then, you know, people came to me afterwards and said, oh, we didn't realise like that's how you made the work. And for me, because I'm there kind of, you know, taping away slowly, cutting things out and it's quite labour intensive, then you just sort of, um, you think, oh, well, this is this is frustrating, but enjoyable in, yeah. at the same time. So you don't always appreciate that other people can't maybe imagine what you do. So it's really helpful to have those kinds of films just to kind of really demonstrate the level of creativity that goes into it. And again, sort of showcasing the thought process. So like with any artist, everyone just sees the finished article, don't they? And Yeah, definitely. What do you do to relax, Fiona? What do I do to relax? Well, it's sort of funny, isn't it? It's a bit like, um, I do lots of things to relax, but I'm quite into films. So I watch a lot of films. I like going for walks and exercise and things like that. I mean, my life is very much involved in being an artist. A lot of my friends are creatives too. But I think, yeah, just kind of cooking nice food, watching a film, that's like the best thing you can do to chill out, particularly at the moment anyway. Yeah, That's perfect at any time of the year, I think. Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, that's a good one. So I suppose it would have to be some artists that influence my practice. So I'd love to show um, with Sol LeWitt. He's always been an artist that's been very influential in the way that I think about and understand my practice. So he would definitely be someone that I'd want to have in the show. And then Bridget Riley, because I love her work. I have been privileged enough to show with her once before, but um, I think there's, it would be nice to see my work in the context of hers again. Um, I really like the work of Rana Begum, so I'd put her in there as well. I think her sculptures are brilliant and she's a lovely person too. So five artists is that. Um, so yeah. one, two, three. Maybe Daniel Buren as well, okay. another one who's very sort of, he's been making a lot of work with glass recently and um, he's been using kind of vinyls and there's a lot of interesting points again with what I'm doing. And then I think I'd have to include one of my friends as well. So I'd say um, artist Charlie Peters because nice, yeah. yeah, she's a really interesting artist and we have a lot of um, common sort of ways of seeing the world of making art and we kind of you know mentor each other so I think you kind of have to be have to bring your mates in up with you too don't you <laughs> do, do you often have like more or less a, a crit or helpful mentors with other artists yeah definitely I mean um 
you always need feedback and it's helpful to talk through ideas. I, during lockdown, particularly the first one, me and a group of friends started Art Club, which was a weekly Zoom chat on Thursdays where we just kind of had a bit of a catch up and we decided to kind of continue that now. So we've kind of got themes for Art Club where we'll talk about different things. So a couple of weeks ago, it was artist statements um which is kind of like it's it's oh, actually it's now. yeah exactly Excellent. yeah just to sort of like encourage each other but you know sometimes there's things where you like you know what you're doing with your work but it's just helpful to talk through somebody else with it and yeah. when you're even something like your artist statement it's quite personal so actually being able to talk to people you trust yeah. and if they give you a bit of harsh feedback you're not ready to hear at least if it comes from your friends then exactly it's a bit easier to take you know it's you yeah know, it's a bit of honest constructive criticism rather than sort of stabbing you in the front you know yeah definitely and particularly now when we kind of we, we don't go to private views anymore and we're quite sort of isolated in some ways it's just really important to keep catching up with people and talking through what you're thinking and doing so that you can all spur each other on as well. well I got invited on to a, a group exhibition a, f a few months ago mm. and I went what a real exhibition like a real uh, on walls <laughs> exhibition oh going, yeah. he, he said that like loads of artists had said the same thing you know what do you mean a physical one you know yeah. we, we've got so used to unfortunately doing things that are uh, just you know in the virtual world and, Absolutely. Um, yeah so yeah, it was quite funny to to have that experience if you wasn't an artist what would you like to be that's a good question it, we, me and my friends sometimes joke we're like oh you know what would we do as a day job and I still haven't been able to come up with a very good answer to that <laughs> <laughs> I imagine I'd still do something within the creative sphere I can imagine myself being a journalist or something because I really enjoy writing and I mean, I love the, one of the things I love about art is just the opportunity to go to new places, meet new people, travel, all of those things. So I think that that kind of inquiry is something that I've never really been able to, would not be able to let go of. So it'd have to be something that still felt that satisfaction. <laughs> and have you got anything coming up at the moment, Fiona? I know it's a bit hard in the environment we're in. Yeah, I've got a couple of commissions that are underway, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say. So I will, I'll just say that there will be some window installations coming to you very soon. Um, one thing that I'm, is, is confirmed and has been started to be promoted is I'm taking part in an exhibition at the Art Station in Saxe-Munden, oh, nice. which is um, organised by an artist, Anne-Marie James. And the, the exhibition is called The Waiting Place. So she approached loads of artists and invited them to send an artwork to her, which is basically postcard size. So during like the past couple of lockdowns, she's just been accumulating all this work, yeah. which is now framed. And I've actually been invited to do a little window installation for them too. So nice. I'll not be going- post, Not postcard size though, right? No, so I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the postcard and then the window installation. So I'm getting like a double bill in the show. Is it, but... is it the same design on both? So it's been inspired by it. So I'm going to use the same colour palette. Yeah, but the uh, the art artwork on the postcards are watercolour. So the window installation, I can't really recreate that effect without sort of scanning and printing oh, it. So I wanted to do something the, a little bit different. Watercolour is the ideal medium for you, isn't it? With a with its translucent qualities. Exactly. I yeah, I mean, I've got think of that until you said it. Yeah, I mean, you can't really see that at the moment. I've got like some um, piece of paper set up behind me, so I'm going to be doing some watercolour painting after we finish chatting today. Superb. But yeah 
Um, and then I've also got a couple of other shows which I'm organising. So there's Recreational Grounds, which is a group exhibition at Thameside Studio, which is co-curated by myself, um, artist Tim Ralston and Anna Latridu, where we have a, a project space where we've been organising group shows over the past couple of years. So it's a little bit of an opportunity to bring back a few different artists that we've collaborated with and then represent their work in a different space. Is so that's that in really a gallery then? yeah exactly it's a nice gallery there yeah it's a lovely space isn't it and it's good because it's the exhibition's going to start at the end of may but because the gallery is really big then it makes it a lot easier for social distancing so yeah. we're hoping that it will be kind of like quite a open exhibition where people can actually come and see it and i mean you have to kind of make a point of going there but yeah. i think it's a really good opportunity for all the artists you know we've all been making work in our studios and homes at the moment so to be able to have a space where you can just make something really big yeah. should be really really fun so and it's a massive hub all around there isn't it on that whole site yeah, there's um, 550 artist studios, yeah. I think, and then there's the print studio and sculpture workshop. So it's a great little community, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really nice to do that. Excellent. Where can people see your work online, be it um, website or social media? So my website's just www.fionagrady.co.uk, and then I'm on instagram and twitter it's just fiona underscore grady and grady's g-r-a-d-y um, and i i'm a bit obsessed with instagram so i post most days so you, you get um it's always more updated on instagram than anywhere else so yeah that's the place to be brilliant i just wanted to say thanks for chatting to me today i've really enjoyed listening to your podcast recently and i think it's really nice just to have the podcast so then you can actually kind of like feel like you're having these conversations which we don't really get to have at the moment so yes well we've all noticed during lockdown the listenership has gone up a little so you know maybe mm. people are yearning the uh and, and uh, the voice of another human well it's just well, nice not to listen to the news as well isn't it <laughs> oh, man, you're not kidding i'm <laughs> tired of that okay fiona thank you very much for your time i really do appreciate it Thank oh, thank Fiona. you. I'll speak okay. to you later. Yeah, Bye-bye. have a good day. Bye. And there you have it, Fiona Grady. As she mentioned there, she's got a show coming up over the next few weeks over at Thameside Studios, which is over in Woolwich. And if you've never been there before, but are in the vicinity, like Fiona said, there's over 500 artists there, a great gallery space, an amazing print studio, a very good calf, amazing views, and if you're very lucky... You may even get a glimpse of Brian, which is Ray Richardson's rather infamous English Bull Terrier. And as we also mentioned now, Fiona's part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, which is starting pretty soon. And I've been speaking to Vistalia Chilton, its founder and organiser, and it's looking very likely that I'll be recording an episode with a few of the artists. So, that's it for this week. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. If you've got any queries, drop us a line on social media at ministryofarts.org. If you're enjoying these episodes, spread the word of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're not, well, fuck you. You won't be listening to this bit anyway. And those of you that are, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.